Hello and welcome to the Telehealth OT podcast where occupational therapists, parents, caregivers, and patients share their telehealth stories. My name is Dr. Reina Oliveira and I am the owner of Telehealth OT Services where we specialize in working with children with autism and also provide education and trainings to occupational therapists about telehealth. I have been able to share my story with the world and now I am extremely happy to give others the opportunity to do the same. All right, everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you to please hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and review that helps out the podcast so, so much and helps other listeners to find the Telehealth OT podcast. Also, by hitting subscribe, you will get access to the show notes where there are important links that we're going to be talking about at the end of this episode. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. All right, welcome everyone. This is our first episode with a group of people, and so I'm very excited to be doing a unique episode today, and it's also unique in that um, this group of individuals who are going to introduce themselves briefly are students and are studying telehealth, and so another unique perspective for the podcast this week, so I hope that you appreciate a little bit of a different spin So we're going to start out with Becca Jackson. She coordinated this whole thing. So kudos to you for, you know, being the leader and taking an opportunity like this um, for yourself and for your group. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, yourself and a little bit about your group and your school and your research project? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having us, Raina. Um, We're all second year occupational therapy students at Russell Sage College in Troy, New York. Um, We're in the master's program. We're actually about to start our last semester of classes uh, in about two weeks, which is very exciting and a little nerve wracking. So it's the four of us. It's me, Molly, Zach, and Julia. We're doing research on telehealth. We started... Uh, February of 2020 um, with coming into this topic. We kind of discovered that telehealth wasn't really used uh, very widely in occupational therapy and kind of just wanted to see um, how it was being used a little bit more. And then, of course, once the COVID-19 pandemic began in March, we really shifted uh, to focus more on how telehealth was being used during the pandemic. All right, great. So, Thank you for that introduction. We'll get into a little bit more of the details, but I want you to also tell us, this is how I start my podcast episode every time. So I'll go through each of you and tell us like what your OT story is and how you first learn about OT and why you're going into the profession. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and start. So my mom is actually a school-based occupational therapist. And growing up when I was younger, all of the students that she worked with, I actually babysat. So I really fell in love with working with special needs kids. Um, And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. So thankfully, as I got older, my mom was able to coordinate with some of her colleagues for me to shadow some of them. So I got to shadow one of the speech therapists, one of the other OTs, and one of the PTs that she worked with. And I really found out that I loved OT and wanted to go for that. Oh, that's so cool. Such an endearing story. And I'm sure your mom is like super proud of you too. It's great. We get to collaborate all the time. I love it. All right, Molly, we'll head to you next. What's your OT story? 
So um, I had no idea what OT was um, originally when I discovered it, but um, in undergrad, I was a creative arts and therapy major at SAGE, and we have an on-track program um, to OT and the master's program that I'm in now. And I always knew that like I wanted to be in a helping profession and do something like that, but I knew that like nursing and like more sciencey like doctor programs weren't for me. Um, but with OT, I was able to like incorporate that creativity. And then I also um, saw like OTs working with my grandpa who had heart surgery and that was like really inspiring to me. So that's kind of how like it like lit a fire in me to be able to want to do that. That's awesome. OTs are definitely very creative and I can totally see like how you can tie in your love for arts into the profession like all the time. Um, thanks for being here. All right, Zachary, you're next. What What is your OT story? So yeah, years back, I was working at a summer enrichment program. And at the time, it was my first year in college and I was actually a business major. Um, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do at that point um, as a career. And I kind of just went into business because my friends were going into it. And I took some business classes in high school. Um, and during that program, at the beginning, they all assigned everybody certain grades to work with. And I ended up volunteering to work one-on-one with a student. Um, they didn't really tell me much about the student. They just uh, said he had a one-on-one aid throughout the school year and that he needed one throughout the summer. Um, so that first week was pretty tough. He was running all over, like interrupting class, um, having breakdowns a lot and other things like that. So I started kind of looking up activities that could I could work with him and exercises to do with him. And we did that throughout the, the two months of the session. And then at the end of the, the, end of the session, um, the teacher came up to me and actually thanked me for helping him out and said how much improvement he showed. Um, and that his parents actually mentioned he, his behavior was much better at home. And then she asked what year of OT school I was in. And I had no uh. idea what she was talking about at the time. Um, <gasps> so that actually got me into it. And I started looking into it and volunteering and then uh, changed my path, my college path to apply to school for OT. So, yeah. That's amazing. I love yeah. that story. And how many guys are in your class? I feel like that's always a topic. <laughs> Yeah, my year, it's just me. Just you, yep. <laughs> I think we had seven in when I tell people that. They're like, that's a lot. Like, there's usually only one or two. Yeah. Minutes, but awesome. Well, I love your story. Thanks for sharing. Julia, last but not least, what's your OT story? So mine isn't as good as Zach's. Um, but I feel like I have heard this story a lot. Um, so my father had physical therapy, and I went to one of his appointments. I think he had picked me up after school for high, in high school and went to one of his appointments. And I really liked the idea of being in a rehab setting. Um, I always wanted to work in a healthcare field. So I started my college career with the hope of going into physical therapy. And when I started my shadowing, I think the PT I was supposed to be with had to call out. So I was put with an occupational therapist. And I think I just fell in love with it. Um, The occupational therapist I worked with was really creative. And I just liked that aspect of the therapy that she was providing. So I changed and went on to the occupational therapy route. And I'm very happy that I did. I think I've learned a lot about the field in this program. And I think it was a great fit. 
That's great. I'm sure you will have no regrets. Like <laughs> our field is amazing. And I, I was, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard my story online, but I wanted to go to medical school and I'm so glad it didn't turn out that way because I absolutely love OT and I've always wanted to work with kids and that's what I was doing. And so it's like a better fit for me. So I think you'll be just fine in PT. You won't miss PT at all. Um, all right. So you all right, we already covered why, why you guys started um, your research in telehealth um, earlier. So um, Molly, will you tell us what the official title of your research is? Yeah, so our title is um, The Use of Telehealth in Occupational Therapy Settings During COVID-19. So it was kind of interesting how when we started thinking about telehealth and then COVID hit and our professors were like, okay, this is what we're focusing on because it's like so up and coming and like it's happening now. Um, so that kind of was how we came to that uh, about having it with COVID. So our like hypothesis that encompasses the whole thing was um, trying to find OTs who felt maybe it was a helpful tool to implement their treatment and um, what is issues they would run into um, if the therapist had never used online treatment before COVID. And then we also wanted to look at like the patient side of things in general public and how it was affecting them and what they kind of gained or what challenges they saw from that. Wow, that is so interesting. I'm glad that you bring up the fact that you you called it a treatment tool, and I think that's so like important to stress that a lot of people want to call it like an intervention, and it's not like it's not an intervention. It is a a tool, like you just said, to to treat v like to be treat via that method. So it's not like in and of itself, telehealth is not an intervention. And I'm glad that as a student, you're already like understanding that and highlighting that because it's something that I really try to stress as I'm training other OTs in telehealth is that you should be able to carry over your intervention style and just change it into a telehealth format. So um, yeah, that, that's what stood out to me from what you spoke about. And then you said that are you so you are you also reaching to um patients via your research and um here julia you can answer that yeah so we actually have two surveys that we sent out one of them was for gen the general public and one of them was for occupational therapists and both surveys asked similar questions obviously the occupational therapists were asked more about treatment um but generally, it was whether they had used telehealth prior to COVID-19 and then what their experience was after um, when COVID-19 had hit. Um, so it was a lot. I mean, we had two surveys that we had to, you know, create, but um, we were really happy to have both aspects because I think the, it's really important to have how the provider felt, but also how the patient felt as well. Um, and we also had um, providers that weren't occupational therapy, uh, occupational therapists as well. So we have a lot of different respondents. Wow, that's amazing. So where are your um, general public respondents coming from? So who did you reach out to? I know the telehealth one, you know, you, you went through social media and you reached out um, in my group and things like that. And that's how we connected. But Zachary, where did the general public ones come from? 
So yeah, it was somewhat the same. We've gotten some of the responses from the Facebook post and other social media, but we also had some practitioners share the uh, survey as well. Um, and we got around a, a good amount of uh, responses from there. Um, and we actually, after looking at some of the, the data where we, or we got responses from 15 states for um, oh, wow. the general public, which is pretty good, I thought. Um, and we posted on some other sites, but really it was through the social media and um, the practitioners sharing the um, survey themselves. Okay. So my next question, I think that I'm like wondering about right now, and I hope the listeners are kind of thinking along the same time, the same lines as me is, are there, are the general public respondents um, mostly, you know, adults who, whose children received um, telehealth or are they adult clients themselves or caregivers? Becca? Um, Well, we haven't analyzed our data fully yet. So we did, when we made the survey, we created it so that, um, people could answer the survey, whether it was themselves receiving treatment or if they could were like answering for their child, if their child was receiving treatment. Um, And like I said, we haven't analyzed our survey yet. So I'm not sure uh, like numbers wise, how many we got, but I know we did like um, create the survey in a way that they could answer it both ways, whether they were the one receiving treatment or their child was. So I'm hoping that we did get a good mix of um, different, uh, clients that had received uh, yeah. telehealth. Well, I love that. And I'm, I'm actually, I want to follow up with you guys later because a lot of people like seem to think that telehealth is only for pediatrics and that's like a big misconception. And so I, I am really curious to know, like, it, you know, the experience from the general public side, if it was adults, especially if it was adults or caregivers of, um, of adults. So what methods are you using in your research? If you want to, um, here, Molly, will you dive a little bit deeper into the methodology behind the research? Yeah, so I know um, I can start off and Becca chime in if you'd like. Um, So we had the online surveys for both like OTs and general public. Um, We did like, we had both like quantitative and qualitative like questions. So we had some with Likert scale questions as well as open-ended. So people could always kind of clarify like their reasoning um, behind their answers too. So we could get more of insight from there. And like we've said, like we put it out through social media. So all of our um, like trying to get people to take it, we did it all online um, as well as a, Uh, talking to like faculty members of our program to kind of get it out, get the word out for it. Um, Becca, I'm not sure if I'm missing anything here. You like to share? Um, Yeah, we shared it, like she had said, mostly on social media, but we actually were able to share on the uh, WFOT, the World Federation for Occupational Therapists website, and the Commune OT Forum on the AOTA website which we were able to get a lot from. And on both of our surveys, there was also the option um, for interviews. So we did conduct a few interviews with both practitioners and um, patients to get some further information that like they weren't able to provide on our surveys. I love that. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. So did you hold those over Zoom or over, yeah. Yeah, we did those over Zoom. Awesome, well, that's exciting. So. Who's going to analyze which data? I was talking to my the 
another OT who was doing research and she said that she loved analyzing like the qualitative stuff, so like the interviews and the, you know, the other written responses. So who's going to do what? Um, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all going to be a, a huge group effort. Um, I'm sure part of our group is better than others at certain things. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a, as like I said, or like Rebecca said before, we haven't analyzed it fully. So we don't know exactly who is going to do what and what we're going to get into. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be all of a group math, a group uh, effort. And yeah, I'm sure other people can talk more to it. Julia, what's your take on this? Do you have a preference over qualitative or quantitative? Um, I think, we, like Zach said, we will work with our strengths. Um, our group is really good about putting tasks to each other, but a lot of what we have done is as a group. So I think for our qualitative data, it'll probably be finding themes. And I think that is something that we will all take a part in. So we can, you know, I found this theme and see if Zach found the theme, same theme. Um, so I think it will be a group effort. We didn't have a lot of Likert scale. So honestly, a lot of what our analyzing will be is with the qualitative data. And we have, I think roughly as of right now with both of our surveys, we had 170 respondents between wow. and the general public. So there's a lot that we'll have to analyze. It's going to be a busy semester for us. I was going to say, so when is this all due by? Like, do you have enough time? That's a lot of qualitative to analyze. Yeah. So as of right now, we have finished our, the majority of our write-up. Um, once we analyze our data, we'll add in our results and whatnot. But I think this is all due by the end of April because we'll okay. finish classes then. So we have, we have a few months. We have a little bit of time. Okay. So curveball question, we didn't prepare for this one, but I would like to hear, since you said you did the write-up, what did you find in the literature review um, related to this topic? Um, Becca, we'll start with you. So a lot of this stuff kind of across the board um, in terms of like the literature review was just that it wasn't widely used and there wasn't a lot of research on it, which was how we had kind of gotten into the topic in the first place. Um, but it was just interesting to see in the literature, like all of the different platforms that they would use and why they would use the different platforms or like some of the different intervention methods and why they would use some of the different intervention methods. Um, and it was also interesting seeing some of the different um, settings that they were using it in that they were using telehealth in as well. Um, but really just that like there hadn't been much research done uh, and it was really hard to kind of like find solid information about like the effectiveness and then sustainability of um, telehealth in different settings. Yeah, I find, I find that true too. And I think that COVID is kind of like a blessing for telehealth in that respect, because there is a lot more research being done now. And we can finally, you know, justify to, you know, pause for policy and insurance and all that on the benefits of telehealth and the effectiveness. Molly, what did you find interesting um, within the literature review? I have to agree with Becca, like the, the lack of, um, like research that we did find or we had to really dig for um, didn't really go into like the effectiveness of telehealth or that telehealth was maybe used as like a, 
like an additional or supported like form of therapy rather than like we use telehealth like to get to our patients kind of thing. So I think just the fact that before COVID, like no one really knew unless they were already involved and like patients really had a hard time adjusting because they were so like unfamiliar. It was such a new process. Um, like even before COVID, it, people weren't used to just like going on their computers or their tablets and like talking to a therapist or talking to a doctor. So that definitely right. like surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent points. I think that's, that's all very true. Um, you know, I've been doing telehealth for a little while now and that the experience was definitely different before COVID as it is now. Now it's like the new norm, right? Like everyone knows about Zoom at least. And like everyone knows that to click a link and connect via video to somebody like it's now so normal, which is crazy because it's like so fast forward fast. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if you guys have gotten to this yet, but any limitations that you see within your study that you anticipate having to write about um give you some time to think before I pick somebody <laughs> Julia any thoughts um I don't know if it would be necessarily a limitation but I think we had a very broad topic and we asked a lot of questions and we didn't limit it to one state we opened it up to everybody I mean I think uh, we had respondents from outside of the United States. So I think in that regard, we'll get a lot of information and it's going to differ for a lot of people, um, especially with policy and reimbursement. Every state had different um, waivers or, you know, I think that might be a limitation necessarily um, in some regards, just because we'll have a lot of different respondents. So it might be kind of hard to find themes between them all. Oh yeah, I can totally see that. That's you bring up a really good point. I was thinking when Becca said about um, sending the survey to the World Federation of OT, like definitely the reach in other countries is very different than here, and even state to state, like you mentioned, is very different. Um, the culturally, like what's acceptable uh, via telehealth, who's a, who's an acceptable type of client. Those are all things that you know, we have to consider definitely something that I'm sure will come up in your, in your analysis. Um, any, anybody else think, can think of any limitations? Going off of what Julia said about how we didn't limit it to the United States or to even just one state, I think there's going to be some limitations, especially in um, the areas of like funding and reimbursement, because it is so different between states. And I'm, only familiar with like some of the state's practices and I don't even know what it's like internationally for telehealth reimbursement. So I can only imagine that that might be a little difficult, like Julia said, to kind of draw some themes from our data. So what, it sounds like you guys covered a lot of topics in your surveys. Like what, I don't, you don't have to go over like every question, but what topics did you cover? So you've already mentioned like insurance, platforms, interventions, anything else that I'm missing? Um, Zachary, we'll go to you. Yeah, so a couple of things like, uh, did they find the, that these treatments or these, this tool is effective as compared to like face-to-face -face methods? Um, overall, we try to look at what settings it was used a lot in um, and what populations, obviously. 
um, and kind of what worked and what didn't work, um, whether if like with child or with children, if like a parent was at all at all times, um, or did they send home materials to help out? Um, we're just trying to see like what was helpful in each of their different settings um, and what they would have done differently. Um, I know we we looked into if they had prior training or if they're kind of just thrown into it, um, which I know a lot of people were and they didn't have the training to go into the the platform they they were going to use. So they had some difficulty starting up. Um, yeah. So yeah, you brought up a couple of good points. Um, Becca had brought up settings before, so I'm curious. Uh, I know you don't know about the results yet. So what settings did you find in the research were using telehealth, if you can remember um, all of them or some of them? Molly? Uh, putting me on the spot here. I was just thinking. Um, I know that school settings um, were definitely a big um, theme, too, that we're probably going to see based on what we got from interview results. Um, if you want to chime in. Zach. Yeah, I can help you out on that. Um, mm -hmm. I just pulled up it real quick, some of the results. I, we also had respondents from outpatient rehab settings. Um, and then there was actually a few, a few home care um, that I think okay. they used as like a kind of a stipulation with their, their tool to um, su supplement. Mm -hmm. And um, like she said, uh, school-based and preschool um, is what I've seen so far. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Julia. I think a lot of what we'll find too is I think school-based is where it's been used most often is because they're normally controlled by a school district. So if the school has to shut down, they've used telehealth more often. Whereas I think like outpatient settings, they've been able to go back to in-person more. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's kind of why we're finding a lot more use of it in the school-based setting. Um, but I think like home health, inpatient, some of those settings at some point, depending on the state, they were able to go back to in-person a lot more. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that for sure. I have a, I have a question that I think it's just something that just like popped up in my head. Where are you all learning about telehealth? Like typically, um, you know, I have been reached, a lot of schools have been reaching out to me to teach like a telehealth, be a guest lecturer for telehealth because it wasn't built into the curriculum. So um, one, I guess, did you have a telehealth course or, or, or even a class before COVID? Um, and two, where where are you all learning about, you know, the different intervention styles besides the literature review? Like, are you guys digging into, um, you know, Facebook groups, social media, things like that? And you can each take a turn to answer. We'll start with Becca. Yeah, so we haven't actually had a telehealth class in our coursework, but we have um, talked about it in some of our classes. I know in our pediatric course, our professor has talked about it before. Um, and in some of our physical rehab courses, our professors have talked about it as well. Um, we actually had the opportunity in the fall. Unfortunately, with COVID, all of our fieldwork experiences so far have all been uh, simulated and online. But thankfully, this fall, we actually had the opportunity to do a little telehealth with some um, volunteer patients that we had. So we got to learn a little bit there about doing it in like a mental health setting, which was kind of interesting. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I know everyone's been struggling with field work and that's another thing that we discuss a lot with universities. Um, and I, you know, I'm sorry about 
obviously about everything that's going on, but I'm glad to see that you guys and your school are making the most of it. Um, Julia, what's your take on this? Um, as Be Rebecca said, we were able to use telehealth in our field work. And I think to an extent we could do, because it was a mental health setting, it was a lot easier to um, transition to a telehealth setting. Um, but we emailed worksheets. I think that worked really well for us with our um, patients. And for the most part, we didn't have a lot of technical issues, which was really awesome. Um, and prior to COVID, I don't think telehealth would have been talked about in our curriculum, but because of COVID and it is our current world now, um, we did have a small little lecture on it, which was pretty cool. Um, our group knew a lot of the information already, but I think for our other classmates, it was helpful for them because that will be our reality, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So I have a follow-up question, but I'll let, I'll let Zach and Molly finish off their thoughts on um, your telehealth education. Yeah, so mainly mine, I mean, like they said, we've done some talking about it in school, but I've also been um, recently like very active on LinkedIn and following people that do a lot of like a lot of OTs in general and then a lot of um, telehealth OTs, which is awesome. And they really talk about a lot, a lot of like advocating for the profession, both interprofessionally and for the profession as a whole with telehealth as a tool. Um, so I've, I've kind of found like an enjoyment in that and looked into that a lot more because I mean, it's only going to help our profession. And like Julia said, who knows, eventually we might be using this a lot more and especially mm -hmm. during this pandemic we have been, but it could be a big, a big and very useful tool um, going down the road for us. Such a thing for a business major to say, I've been on LinkedIn. <laughs> like, I love that. Good for you. I'm all, I'm really laughing like from a place of love because I, I'm an entrepreneur and I absolutely love like connecting and networking and collaborating. And so the fact that you're already on there, good for you. If any of you are not, the rest of you are not, you probably need to be. Um, and, you know, just following other professionals and connecting and it's never too early to start, especially if you want to start your own business um, or, or even if you don't, I mean, I think it's just great to, to network. So kudos to you for getting on that. All right, Molly, give us your take on the telehealth education. Yeah. So like um, everyone said, we didn't really directly have like had telehealth teachings in school, but I think one advantage of like us being students during this time when COVID hit last spring, we had to be completely online. So we had to kind of teach ourselves and like navigate our new like platforms over Zoom. And like, I know um, a couple classes tried like big blue button and we had to figure out how to do presentations and group work and um, all different kinds of assignments that like, I think will put us at an advantage when we are therapists because we already kind of have the tools of, okay, how do we adapt this online? How, how do we have like more interactive, engaging um, intervention tools or like treatment approaches through um, what we had to do in school too? I love that. You guys can probably teach like OT practitioners right now that are like still lost, I'm telling you. Um, so, so that's a great segue into my follow-up question and we'll wrap up with this. Um, who wants to go into telehealth after this? Like, do you love it or hate it? And you can be completely honest, like, um, telehealth and what population, I guess I want to know. Becca, we'll start with you. 
I don't know if telehealth is necessarily what I'd like to do. Um, I actually would really like to do hippotherapy because um, I love horses and I love kids. That's awesome. Um, but telehealth is definitely something that I think that I would enjoy doing if it was um, an option for me. I definitely think that I would do it, but I would definitely do pediatrics because I definitely feel like that's kind of my niche. That's where I want to be. I love working with kids and I would, I think telehealth and pediatrics would definitely be something that I could see myself doing in the future. Well, hippotherapy is just as awesome. And as I, I know nothing about it really. And I was just um, in another group and they were talking about how hippotherapy is also like a tool and not an intervention in and of itself. So I think it kind of lines up, you know, just like the, the thought process of like using a horse for sensory integration, let's just say like using a horse for core balance and strengthening and versus like, you know, using telehealth. So you know, the same kind of mindset goes into both. So anyway, that's pretty cool. Julia, tell health yes or no, and what population do you want to work with? So I think what we have all learned with telehealth is that it is a tool. So even if it's not necessarily what I'm going to be doing 100% of the time, I think I would definitely use it as a supplement to any setting I go into, um, there's a lot of other benefits to it if, you know, a parent is sick that day and they can't bring a child in, like you could use telehealth as an alternative. So I think I'm definitely open to it um, in any practice that I end up being in. Um, I think we have learned that it can help in a lot of different aspects. Um, I know in, our, in the past, before COVID had happened, a lot of what we found in the literature was telehealth could be used to reach populations that aren't close to um, therapy settings or, you mm -hmm. know, so I think it's definitely going to be used even after the pandemic. And I think I would like to use it as well. Um, the setting that I want to work in, I think similar to Becca, I also like pediatrics, um, but I'm open to it. I'm, we haven't started our like big field works yet. So right. I'll be in a hospital this summer and I'm looking forward to that as well. So I'm open to a lot of different settings, but I think my, my uh, preferred setting as of right now is pediatrics. Well, good for you for keeping an open mind because I was tunnel vision to autism and hating my physics teacher for saying, you're going to like adults because they're get it, got a good. And she was right. And I ended up, I still say that I'm a generalist. I ended up working in adult, um, uh, inpatient rehab and peds outpatient. Um, and I love both. And I now between the two worlds kind of just consider myself a neurotherapist. And I think that's easier to just say instead of like, uh, an age bracket, just to say a condition or, you know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, definitely keeping it up in mind is very helpful. <laughs> All right, Zach, tell us how the answer now and what population. Yeah, I'm definitely open to telehealth because I, I want to go into hand therapy um, in the outpatient setting. I think it'd be definitely beneficial. Like Julia said, you can reach more people and more populations. And especially since we live in upstate New York, we get a lot of snow. And if mm. patients don't come into the visit, you could use this as a supplement to do something with them. So they still get some kind of treatment, mm -hmm. um, even though they have to like stay home or if they get sick. Um, so I'm definitely open to it. And I think it's it's going to be great coming forward. It just, everybody has to start learning and how to use it. Um, I know a lot of people kind of push it away, but I think it's all a learning curve and you'll love it once you start doing it. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Um, if you haven't connected with Michelle Coyle on LinkedIn, please do so. She's like the virtual hand care, I think it's the name of her company, virtual hand care, but she's like the hand therapy telehealth guru. And she's amazing. So um, check her out. She's got a lot of helpful videos on there, like how to do telehealth for hand therapy, because people are like, that's a hands-on like practice. How do you translate that into telehealth. And so she does a beautiful job of, of explaining that. All right, Molly, last but not least, telehealth, yes or no, and what population? Yeah, so Zach took the words right out of my mouth. I would say that it's like definitely a learning curve. I was very hesitant and like resistant to it when we first um, started using it, but I think it's all in your perspective and like understanding that at its core, it's helpful when you know how to use it. And that kind of just once you understand that, it's so much more beneficial. Um, I <laughs> Settings I would use it in, I'm very indecisive, so it, it kind of changes every other week. <laughs> um, <laughs> but right now, I'm really into like inpatient and ICU rehab, so like something with a quick turnover. And I think it could be used like in a really good way when people transition out of that and either go to another facility or go mm-hmm. home and be able to still connect with that patient Um, Mm -hmm. knowing where they came from and how far they've come and kind of taking on that holistic approach of like, okay, where's your life at now? And how can you incorporate it? I think telehealth really is like the perfect gateway for that and like allows you to like treat the patient fully like as OTs do. So I love that. I love ICU. I was a hospital-based therapist up until COVID and I feel like I've done everything. Do your professors say the same thing? Like they've done everything. That's just how OT works. It's beautiful. But um, I was in ICU and I absolutely love the ICUs and a lot of people get nervous being in there, but like, it just thrills me coming from an EMT ER background. Like I love ICUs and I think the power of telehealth in ICUs, especially now it's like connecting people to their families if they can't be with them too. So really incorporating um, that family-centered care with telehealth in in the medical model or in you know in the, in occupational therapy. So very cool. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me. I really want you to keep me posted, and maybe we'll do like a post research summary podcast episode if you're if you have time and if you're up for it. But thank you so so much, Becca. Thanks for coordinating this. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. And I know I shared the uh, the links with you, but we have reopened both of our surveys. So if anybody has any information after listening to the podcast that they want to share with us, I'm sure you'll be able to share those links with your listeners. We would love to hear some more feedback from people. That is great. I would definitely put that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, make sure you click on that link and help this great group out by giving them all of your feedback. All right, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. If you're an occupational therapist and you want to know more about telehealth, be sure to join the Telehealth OT Facebook group for more information. I'll catch you on the next episode.